2: Well, good evening and welcome to another of our special live episodes of the Green and White Broadcast podcast brought to you by Argyle Life. A 442 mile round trip on a bitterly cold Tuesday evening was the task for Shuey and his band of merry men looking to get back to back victories for the first time this season as they headed to the Coventry building society arena to take on Mark Robbins' Sky Blues. On a night where the footballing community celebrated the life of the great Terry Venables with a minute's applause before kick-off around the country, there was also the poignant moment for Sky Blues fans, along with the 1,700 or so members of the Green Army, to pay a touching tribute to two-year-old Hallie Reeve, who sadly passed away after a battle with cancer. On the 17th minute, the CBS Arena all rose as one to pay tribute to Hallie, with the game being halted so players on both sides could join in the special moment. As stated by Aaron on our preview podcast before the game, all our thoughts and best wishes will continue to be sent to the Reeve family at this very sad time. The game itself certainly wasn't memorable, until Haji Wright's decisive strike in the seventy-fifth minute settled the score and ensured the hosts notched up another win to continue their ascent up the table. For Argyle, it was yet another away game where fine margins separated the two sides, and it—let's be fair—it wouldn't be an Argyle away fixture this season without a small shred of controversy, as I'm pretty sure we will get onto later on. You may have noticed I'm not Aaron, thankfully. I'm Joe stepping up to the plate for tonight's show and as always we are very excited to be live as we are after every midweek fixture during the course of this season. We've a host of regulars lined up to join us across the evening along with the potential for one or two surprises. As always with these live episodes we will we will welcome your input with comments, questions and feedback so don't be afraid to get in touch or request to speak. For those of you who are listening to this on all the usual podcast platforms after the show has ended, I'm going to do my Anton and bit here after Britain's Got Talent. Please do not get in touch as you won't be charged and your message definitely won't reach us in time. However, don't forget to get your co- comments and questions in after Saturday's home game against Stoke City where we definitely can guarantee that we can squeeze you in. So... As you can well imagine, we have plenty, plenty to discuss. You wouldn't think it after a one nil away defeat, but there is plenty to get into. And I'm delighted that Finn, <clears throat> regular panelist on the podcast, has come on board straight away. Finn, if you want to unmute yourself, mate. Hello, we'll get you... uh, I would say
3: I'm glad to be speaking on this podcast I'm not so glad to be talking about the performance last night but you know
2: (laughs) yeah it's um who'd have thought after a 1-0 we'd I'd actually have quite the running order to get through but um as usual on an Argo Live podcast, we do have the uh, the Sky Blue Hub who will, who will get in in a second. Um, but, Finn, as always on a, on a green and white podcast, why don't you give us a summary of the 90 minutes? Um, and I'll give you a note of caution already. Don't do what we always do to Aaron and answer all my comment or my questions in your summary, mate. All right. Um, am I allowed to swear on this? Um, in mitigation, bearing in mind we are a family show.
3: Okay, apologies for the language, but I thought it was shite. Um, (laughs) uh, Probably, probably, um, I don't think it's an overreaction to say, uh, I would say, result mitigating, I would say, it's probably one of the worst performances of of the Chumaka era. Uh, We defend, our shape for the entire game was very good. We defended quite solidly. Um, I really felt that Argyle and Coventry were two very well-matched teams um, who both didn't really offer a lot, um, but we just couldn't string five passes together the entire game. Like It wasn't that we never got into the positions to to threaten Coventry's back line. It was just that we just had no attacking potency or uh, willingness to to really, you know, once the, we got into the position uh of, of, of threatening their defense. Just no no willingness to 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 you know test the goalkeeper, who when we did get a few shots on target actually. You know, I think parried a couple and spilt a few. Um, you know, I think it was a bad night for everybody, uh, especially when you consider, you know, how much uh, Morgan Whittaker has done for us this season, and he arguably arguably put in his worst performance in an Argyle shirt so far. So, yeah, it was just a really poor um, performance, and I think you could see from Schumacher's um, expressions on 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 the touchline um, that he wasn't very happy. I'm sure we'll get into this later, but I also wasn't enamoured with with his uh, selection decisions, Uh, you know, uh, substitution-wise. I think he was right to keep the team from Saturday, but, yeah, in general, just really, really bad performance.
2: Excellent, Finn. Just two of my bullet points covered in that first summary um it's, it's it's an interesting one because if you actually break down the statistics of the game um it was incredibly even you know 52% to 48 possession 13 shots apiece three shots on target apiece um obviously Coventry then with one more shot off target. We had one more shot blocked. Neither team hit the woodwork. Both shots had eight shots inside the box. Both teams had five shots outside the box. Um, Obviously XG, I mean, you know, I'm not a massive fan of XG, but XG shows Coventry with a 1.38 Argo with a 0.57. So, that that probably tells its own story. Although, weirdly, we did have a better set play XG, um, which I'd imagine will make many Argyle fans laugh on here. So we'll get the lads in from the Sky Blue Hub. If you want to unmute yourselves, give us a, a home fans view um, after claiming all three points. Over to you guys. What was your summary of the game?
4: Um, I just want to say fair play to your fans for the and your players for the conduct when obviously... We did the 17th minute applaud for Ali. his credit to the club. And To be fair, the dealings I've had with you guys' fans shows what class actors the club you are. So, fair play to that. In terms of the game, I thought we probably edged it first half. We had a lot of pressure without really working the key. I thought your subs kind of helped you a bit. I think us bringing our hair on, and I think we kinda I think you're better than that. I don't think. think Just I don't know. The wish went on it. Whitaker didn't really look on it.
2: Oh, you ended up being muted. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right.
4: Yeah. Um, I thought Aziz played reasonably well, but you, you're right. You just turned the ball over so much to us in spells, and we're good. That was the only chance I thought either side were going to score was going to be a breakaway, and I think it got a bit second half into a basketball game. It probably played to you, you your guys stands a bit better. The ref, the referee was awful. Um, the alignments were awful. Um, I've yet to see a good. Cheap referee in the home game this season, and I think he was just as bad for you as he was for us. He he gave some absolute bizarre decisions. Yeah, All out because we've had, we've got robbed a few times at home. Was it the way that I really wanted to win the game? Probably not. But we played to the whistle. You you guys didn't. I think if it had finished nil nil, I wouldn't have overly complained. I think it was just. A nothing game, and we we had them the first season when we came back into the championship. We probably didn't get the results, especially away from home, that we should have done. I think you guys are very good at home. I think you you're nowhere near going to be in the relegation zone. You were far better, even at your back, even at your worst, than Huddersfield were against us. Um, so yeah, I think in QPR I looked bang average when we played them as well. So I think you'll you'll be fine. I think you just missed Hardy. And uh, I can't remember. Is the other lad is it Bundu or whatever the other striker?
2: Bund- Bundu's the lad Bundu, who came yeah. off the bench. Second yeah, out. I think you just um,
4: you just the striker. Sure, I think I could see that really, weighing. I know because Kav were looking at him before he we went to you. I thought he did. He's just toughed and puffed, but he didn't have that extra bit of quality that I think Hardy would have given you. I think if you get Hardy back fit, he would have possibly maybe done better with one of the breakaways you had. But yeah, I thought you were. Decent side, always like your goalkeeper. I think the lad Gibson, is it? You got off Everton, looked pretty good. Yeah. Aziz has always impressed me. Um, I would have added Mick Carvershank, i back to you. And I think Whittaker and Umba are better than they showed last night and they'll cause teams problems. Um, and I actually thought your manager's subs, bringing the four subs on, actually probably made you play better, even though he took a few of your players, you've been better players for you this season. I think Kundal was um, one of your star performers and he went up. Look on it, really.
2: If you could pick a standout from your own side last night, obviously we're going to come on to our own star men later in the show, but if you could pick out a standout for the Sky Blues last night.
4: Uh, I think the standout for us was the two defenders. I thought Kitchen and Thomas actually had their best games. The had for us, Kitchen looks a real good prospect. Um, obviously, you guys might have seen a bit of him at Barnsley last season. Obviously, because you were in the in League One. But yeah, he's yeah, been kind of
2: the pair of them finished the season last year with Barnsley, didn't they? They were they were yeah. sort of there. Yeah, centre half pairing that got them to the playoff final. So we and with the three 0 defeat up there in March, I think it was. We know we know plenty about them. So
4: yeah, we we're not really seen the the hype about them. Thomas had had good games here and there. Kitchen had kind of not come in, and we paid a lot of money for him. And people were asking question marks. I think we saw they did some real good defending. I think Kitchen got 1v1 against uh, Bund- Bundell and he did really well and I thought he was in trouble and Bundell was just going to skin him and he did really well and, and shepherded it out. and defend- I think we actually got the goal kick off it. So, yeah, I was really impressed with those two. Um, and I thought Sakamoto did well for us um, again. But, yeah, I think they're probably the three that I would pick for us.
2: Lovely. Well, let's quickly go through some full-time thoughts that we asked for at full-time last night before we bring Nick from PAFC displays in Um, Jack says you get taught to play to the whistle at school. Why doesn't Schumacher coach that into the team ball out or not? Well, we're going to come on to that moment a little bit later on. We've got a question from Ryan, which we'll come on to later. Uh, Ryan at Argyle flyer after time to reflect ball was out, thought it was out at the time. Still do now. Didn't do enough to win, but didn't deserve to lose. Passing lacked our usual sharpness. All be forgotten with a win on Saturday. As an aside, hating on Tyreek Wright on here is a bit weird. I'm sure we'll come on to that as well. Uh, not a troll, but, uh, says Ben Wayne regression tonight, sadly. Really glad to see Tyreek Wright get minutes, but not that it was because Mumba was having a rare, a rare mare. In fact, a good number did. Sickening, sickening result, though. No one minds losing fairly. Uh, Loz Argyle says that game was ours for the taking yes we were poor but so too were Coventry I'm sick of decisions costing us I know it sounds like an excuse but the officials have cost us a number of points this season but we have to be more aggressive away from home roll on Saturday Uh, Matt Graham says thought Coventry and Robbins did a job on us our pass percentage completion was awful first half got better second half and we ended the better side I think the pre-match stats in brackets, Argyle, free scoring, City, uh, tight loose at the back, illustrate how we probably cancelled each other out. Uh, Jay Holiday says, firstly, tempo from Argyle was too slow tonight. Barley Mumba definitely was poor. We kept giving the ball away and don't get me started on that poor decision for their goal. Linesman definitely needs to go to spec savers. We've got plenty of them, so we'll probably drip feed them later into the show nick um i mean we've already touched on on plenty um of the performance i'm sort of trying to dance around the goal until we can um in terms of the team that started the game last night obviously shui had a rare moment i suppose you could say where we didn't none of us got to play shui roulette um and an unchanged 11 albeit with a tactical tweak, Joe Edwards to left-back, Kane Kessler-Hayden to
5: right-back. Thoughts. Yeah. Um, thoughts on that one? Probably, like you say, it's more of a surprise that the team's been unchanged, considering that nearly every, every week we play, the team is completely different. It's hard to, hard to uh, actually pick a team that he's going to pick. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's one of those, really, isn't it? I mean, I'd like to think that when a team wins you, you know you turn around and say don't change your winning team and that's what we've done and like I say like so many people have said the performance was very unlike us um not quite as bad as the Bristol City game but very slow um, decision making in the final third seemed to be very poor um, it just seemed a bit they just seemed off it um, and considering the performance that we put in on on the weekend, it just looked like a completely different side. So, yeah, same same team, bit of a shock with that, but completely different style of play and the way we play, the way we approached the game last night.
2: Do you think if you cast your mind back to after Barnsley last year, where we got beat three 0 and and Schumacher sort of referred to the fact that if we were going to, you know, if we were going to go up and we were going to go up automatically, that we might have to change our approach when we go on the road? Because, of course, at that point, we were on a little bit of a, a sticky patch on the road, weren't we? And we we actually yes. ended up not... Uh, did we? I don't think we dropped a point on the road after um, Barnsley. I could be wrong. Um, but do you think we're sort of in that territory at the moment where we're trying different things to find <coughs> the right formula on the road? Because let's be fair, we can't get away from it. The stats are pretty horrendous. Um, and with our next game being against the runaway leaders of the championship at the moment on the road in a two weeks time or 10 days time. Um, It's, it's stacked heavily against us that that record will change against Leicester. But you know, what, what do we think it is? How how can we address this away form? Because it does need to change and quickly.
5: Yeah. I mean, you touched on that. I mean, like I said, with, I think if we cast your mind back to Paul Sturrock days, for example, Paul Sturrock um, had A way of playing away from home and a way of playing at home. And he always used to come out with a phrase, I think it was, um, an away point is precious or something like that. It was words to that effect, an away point is precious. And he he would have been happy with an away point. Now, I'm not saying that's all we should aim for at the moment, but with the way that we're playing at the moment, away from home especially, we need to just get some points away from home. Whether that means being a bit more solid in the midfield and going to back to the back three when we're away from home and playing more more compact in the middle than maybe I don't know. But like you said, like you say, there is that we, we need to pick some, we need to be picking points up away from home at the moment. And at the moment we I just can't see, especially with the next game coming up with Le, away at Leicester, that's gonna be uh, a very, very tough ask. But it'll be just typical Argyle to go there and, and keep a clean sheet and win three now. Um with an unchanged team. You, this, this is the thing that Argyle is just so unpredictable. Um, and I'd like to say, no one would have predicted that result or that before that style of performance last night.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Finn, I'll bring you in very quickly um, because we've got a um, question coming up from Aaron, Mr. I can't host because I'm on the train coming back from Coventry. Um, Joe, can you host, but I'll listen into the live hawking. Um, just on Nick's point there about, um, Argo being that performance being unpredictable, just got some comments from Mark Robbins post game. Um, and then I'll bring you in Finn with the question about the, the away form. Mark Robbins in summary to Coventry's website says, I think we made it tight. We could have been streets ahead and really should have been streets ahead. Had we played with that a little bit more zip, but ultimately some players are finding their feet with the frequency of games, but obviously at the level as well. I thought we worked hard. It's not to say we didn't work hard, but I thought there were some passages of play that were just a little bit almost good, but not quite what we're after. We got in some good positions and were a little bit wasteful with the chances we had. He went on to say about Argyle, I thought that they were a good team. They've got some good players, some powerful players with some pace in the team. They are, I think, the highest or joint highest scorers in the division, but they concede a lot as well. They're like a basketball team, and we said that in the dressing room. We made it like a basketball game, which is what they are good at. Now... I'm going to tie that comment in there about Argyle being like a basketball team and us trying to make it into a basketball game, essentially, with what Aaron's asked us. And he says, will our away form be ultimately our downfall? It's okay saying there are four worse teams than us and we'll be fine, but anyone can be anyone. Two of those four could turn it around from January. With what we were just discussing with Nick there about how Argyle play and should we set up differently away from home to get results? Mark Robbins using the analogy of us being like a basketball team. Do you think it's time that we change shape or system away from home? Or is it a case of live by the sword, die by the sword?
3: Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, I think we're really struggling at the moment. I don't necessarily think that it's, we're, our shape I actually think because he's right it was like a basketball team um, basketball game last last night you know pretty end to end pretty open um, I don't I pretty I'm pretty much agree with his assessment of the game that you know uh, but apart from the fact that they should have been streets ahead I, I thought that it was quite an, an even game and not neither side really created that many clear-cut chances I I don't think it's a, a sort of case of we have to change system. But I actually think we're really struggling at the moment um, without Hardy up front. now I'm not saying I, I I I've I've said all season that I think we left ourselves a bit short in the striker department. Um, but we just don't have somebody who is even able. Um, Hardy isn't great at it, but he is better than the other two strikers at sort of. Uh, bringing others into play, uh, and he has improved a little bit with the physical battle. I think the real problem we have more than formation at the moment is that we don't really have another way we can play. Uh, and, and you know, to be fair to commentary, they did press us quite well. So we were quite often forced into uh, areas where we have to try and, you know, get the ball forward quicker because we're trying to break the press. But unfortunately, with Ben Wayne, not to slate him too much, but he's just not, he's not physical enough and he doesn't get involved in any of the battle. In fact, a lot of the time he was, um, he was, uh, you know, behind the halfway line when the ball went forward. So, it, you know, he just wasn't able to get involved in the game. And so, aside from the, the you know, change in formation, I think we need to, we need to, try and see whether we can get Hardy back in as quick as possible and not overreact because I think we're not football on the whole. Um not overreact, get Hardy as quick in as possible and then look to re- reassess in January whilst uh, you know, we've only got what well, I say only, but we've got probably four or five games until January. So I would really I would really not 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 go gung ho and, and sort of change too much because I on the whole I think we're having a decent season. But yeah. I mean, I, I think we just haven't got the with injuries and such at the moment. We haven't got the the we are struggling to play a different way when we need to.
2: Yeah, I think on on that point, just a couple of things from tweets either tonight or last night. The Sky Blue Hub, who we thank for joining us here this evening, um, in their summary of the game, says it was odd. It was an odd game at times. Think we they they think we clearly miss a striker like Hardy. Don't think Mumbra or Whitaker played up to the levels they can. Obviously, I think we'd all probably agree with that. Uh, Jake Russell said, "Feel sorry for you guys." To be fair, should have got a point really. Fair play to the fans and players for joining in with the seventeenth minute clapping as well. Touch of class. Um, I don't really think there was any doubt that that Argo weren't going to join in in such a, a poignant occasion, um, and it was great to actually see the players delaying um, the taking of that corner um, so that the you know the game could be stopped.
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um,
2: couple more points. Uh, twist and Shout said, uh, Coventry Twist and Shout this is. I think you... would You'd have had a real shock at getting the goal if you'd moved Whitaker away from Jake Bidwell, who did a really good job of managing one of the better threats in the league. I assume Whitaker can play more central or on the left. Um, of course, this is just after those of you who listened to the pod, the review of the Sunderland game, where we praised Joe Edwards for his um, marking of Jack Clark in Saturday's home game against Sunderland. Um, and on tonight, uh, Louis at Sky Blue, Louis Lewis or Louis, whatever it is, says, I think that's a credit to us not letting you play. And, you know, I did, me watching the game, um, I did think that they did a pretty good job of certainly keeping Morgan Whitaker quiet um, on that right side. The Crazy Pilgrims has played the whistle, yes, but in the heat of the moment with a ball that was clearly out, it's just a natural reaction sometimes and just not the area you want to put it in. Don't worry, we are coming on to it. Um, and Ryan at PFC Ryan, two shocking teams last night combined with a shocking away end—not one for the memory books. It'd be interesting to get an elaboration on that. Um, I suppose we'd better come on to it. The seventy-fifth minute, Van Avike goes down the right wing, gets past, gets past Tariq Wright, gets to gets to the byline. Joe Edwards stops the cross, fails to prevent the cross coming in. The ball appears to go out of play. Hadji Wright is left free in the centre of the area to blast its home um, and into the roof of the net, leading to then the biggest protestation I think I've seen from a group of Argyle players in a long time to a man. They went running to Andy Davis and the linesman on that far side to protest the ball had gone out of play. Now, at full speed, at real time, my initial reaction was the ball was out. We have all seen the pictures. Um, Just before I bring the two lads in on the goal, in inverted commas, just get some comments from the two managers on it. Mark Robbins to the Coventry City's website said it was a perfectly good goal. Hadji had a sighter just before and put it over the bar. And then the second one is finished off brilliantly. He's got a chance to score and Milan has found him brilliantly. I feel like we deserve to win. It. I don't think they are too much in the game. They have one or two efforts where it was a little bit tense, but I thought we did really well. And to keep them down to zero again, the third on the bounce is great. Steven Schumacher. Um, to Argyle's media team after the game, says, you can tell from our players' reaction how the whole team basically ran towards the officials because they could clearly see it was out, he said. The referee said coming off the pitch that only half the ball was out, but we've all seen the pitches. We've all seen the angles. It's definitely more than that. Our our performance wasn't brilliant, but I don't think we deserve to lose the game either. We should have come away with a nil-nil, if anything, but a poor call has cost us. So, gentlemen the 75th minute who wants to have this um andy davis of hampshire was the referee it's time for ref watch now technically speaking as the host i am meant to not get involved in this part of the show although it is going to be quite difficult for me to bite my tongue um but let let's have your your views um we all saw gary neville's um piece after the Newcastle Arsenal game where he was talking about perception of the of the sphere of the football. Is it in, is it out? Let's
5: have a show of hands. In or out, Nick? Um I think it's out. I mean I I try and re- I mean I try and remain as as mostly impartial as I can. I know I'm gonna have green green tinted glasses, but I do think it's out. Um I agree wholly with exactly what Shuri has said in his post-match interview as well. Um, I was speaking to to my old man after the game and I was basically saying the same thing. I don't think we did enough to win it. Um, I didn't see a scoring in the game, but at the same time, I didn't see them scoring. And to concede to a goal like that um, is just, it's just a kick in the nuts, really, isn't it? I mean, uh, you, you, t- you mentioned there about the referee's comments about saying about half the ball was over the line um, I I'd, I'd like to know how he could tell that from his angle because um, let's face it he's quite a distance away from it he's not on top of it he can't see along the line uh, the man that can see along the line's he got the flag in his hand all right you could argue possibly that Joe Edwards and and the winger is obstructing his view of this whole view of the ball in the line but it's it's clearly out for me and if there is any doubt I was under the impression that the benefit of the doubt goes to the defending team in that situation but I I don't know I need need to look at that again but for me 100% out and yeah I I completely agree with Shuey we didn't deserve to lose that game but I don't think we did enough to win it either the game was destined for a boring nil-nil draw up until that point Um, yeah we had a couple of sights towards the end but I didn't see a scoring in that game unfortunately I don't think we were good enough to score I mean, I've, one thing I one thing I
2: will say, um, because I know I'm very quick to jump in on referees um, on the podcast, is I do not advocate for one minute um, the whole team going around and surrounding the officials, um, because I do think that's a little bit too much. I'm I'm sort of in the camp that only really the captain should should go to the the referee. But it was quite clear, Finn, that in this instance, everybody on that pitch in a green shirt believed that that ball was out now that leads us on to a few more comments that we got after the game uh john bromley yes the ball was out but we stopped and got punished deed sullivan says two poor teams should have been nil nil but yet for another shocking refereeing decision um what else have we got we got plenty of people um adzum 77 says why was your keeper celebrating the goal with us i'm not Totally sure that he was celebrating the goal, um, but that that's subjective. Uh, at Goss is a pilgrim. Poor game, poor performance. But strangely, deserved a point. As commentary report to feel robbed by a poor decision, but should have played to the whistle. Played to the whistle is a key point here, Finn, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and, I, and to be honest with you, um, look, I, I do think the ball is out, but I also am realistic to you know. At, every level of football from when you start from when you're five years old to if you're if you get to a senior professional you know pro arg- you know when you're 38 years old uh, arguably the most basic rule in football is play to the whistle and it is absolutely Jim Ruck is right and all the fans are right to feel aggrieved at that decision. But it's not like that. It's like everyone switched off. And I have a problem with that because it's not, it's not that. Jordan Halton is literally stood where the ball comes in, but he's turned facing the linesman before he's blown the whistle. It's just, and Cooper's halfway out of his goal. It's like the, the whistle hasn't gone. So how many times do you have to say to football players, and I see it in like other sports as well, rugby players or whatever, just play it to the whistle. It's it. It infuriates me. Um, and I, I think we, you know, albeit we didn't deserve to lose that game, we actually found a way to lose that because if anyone had been switched on in that situation, we would have got rid of the rid of the ball. So I think it's actually our fault that that goal has happened, and and not the referees. Because we, look, you can criticise the referee all you like, but it's it's. You know, fine margins happen in football like that all the time. And not especially with, well, VAR is another, dis, uh, another conversation, but especially without VAR, they haven't even got a chance to look over it. So, you know, those things are going to happen. So the first thing you have to do, in my opinion, is place the whistle. And we simply didn't do that. So, you know, in all honesty, I don't have much sympathy with our players and, 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 and Schumacher, to be honest with you on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jack uh, Jack Coleman says on Argyle TV last night, looked out in real time and in pictures after the game via Twitter. Um, although I do have to call it X, jack otherwise Elon will probably file a lawsuit against me. Um, he does go on to say, regardless of it's out or not, you play to the whistle. Um, we've just had something um, confirmed by Ryan as well. He says to elaborate on his point, regarding... I did try to get you in, Ryan, but it, it seems to take a, an age to get you to unmute. Um, it says, to elaborate, the away end was quiet and the only time it was was when Tyreek Wright came in and the abuse he got from some fans, in inverted commas, was disgusting. He tweeted about it earlier. We are going to come on to substitutions in a minute. I think, for me, the the, the biggest problem is, and as a host, I'm probably talking here more than, than Aaron usually does. Maybe he should be taking notes on this long train journey that he's got going back. So I don't know if anyone knows, but he lives in Norwich. Um he never mentions it. Is that you've got an incident where the player, the, the the sequence of this goal starts a long way out. It's not a sudden flash moment where the ball comes in and we're caught napping. Is the fact that we allow the player to beat one player, get to the byline, we then fail to prevent the cross coming in, and then someone's left free as four players have their hand in the air trying to call a taxi. Um, I mean Michael Cooper's obviously followed the ball to his his near post um and then he's left short, but Nick, bring you in on this is the is there an element where this is a totally unavoidable situation had we done our jobs properly, or do we actually have to sit here and say, well van avike the the right fullback, has actually done really well to get into a position to pull the ball back
5: i mean I think he did really well to get past Tariq right i think. Getting on Tyreek Wright's back isn't going to benefit Tyreek for one, because obviously he's in and out of the team quite a bit at the moment. And there, are, yeah, there are people that uh, have it have a dislike to him. I I feel any obviously I wasn't at the game, but I feel if there was anything directed at him after that incident, I feel that's a tad harsh because I think I think the right the right wing back done a really good really good job of getting past him. He's not the slowest player in the world either, is Tyreek? So. Um, yeah you could say that you could argue there that that that's probably unavoidable um should Edwards do better on the line there, possibly possibly, but I think like you like you touched on the key point is there's four players in there that have completely stopped, some have turned their backs already to some are already walking out, accepting the fact that it's a goal kick, which hasn't been given, and I think for me that's that's the area where where it could have been avoided if Houghton sticks a leg out, possibly he gets it, you know. It's all ifs and buts, isn't it? But there is potential there for that ball to be cleared, yeah. Um, But like I say, I I, I wouldn't be criticising Tariq Wright. I think he's just been unfortunately. one of those things in football where the ball's been put past him, and he's and he's been done. He wants to play, gets into the box. He can't bring him down. He can't make a challenge because if he brings a challenge there, it's a penalty anyway. Um, but could Joe Edwards do a little bit better in shepherd shepherding the ball out? Maybe I don't know. It's, I'd have to see it again. But like I say, I I, the only thing that's avoidable in that situation is that ball being pulled back in towards the centre, uh, in towards the penalty spot, um, where you've got four players with their hands up, like you say, look, looking to hail a taxi.
2: It, it's. I just think it's one of those that, I mean, you know, you learn as young as eight or nine um, when you're playing recreational football for, you know, Plymouth Colts and Keyham Colts, and all, you know. Um, all those teams in and around the city. You know, you're taught at a young age, you play to the referee's decision, you play to the whistle. And unfortunately, um, as a group of professionals, they failed to do that. So moving on to Tyreek Wright, because um, the substitutions certainly did cause a talking point on social media last night. There were five of them in total made by Shuey. 55th minute Tyreek Wright replaced Barley Mumba. I'll bring you both in on this gents. Don't forget anyone who is listening in. If you do want to um, get involved, do request to speak because the more that you guys speak, the less I have to and the less the lads have to, which will be a godsend for everyone listening. 55th minute Tyreek Wright replaced Barley Mumba. Then on the 68th slash 69th minute, there was a triple change from Shuey which raised a few eyebrows. Ben Wayne, Finazaz, and Luke Cundall were all removed from the action. Mustafa Bundu, Callum Wright and Adam Randall all came in and then the final change on the 86th minute was then Joe Edwards being replaced by Brendan Galloway. Um, I mean, Finn, Nick, whoever wants to take this, we are going to try and get Ryan and, and Jack involved in a second. Um, those five substitutions, in particular that first one, I mean, Barley Mumba albeit it certainly wasn't his, his best game in a green shirt last night, but I certainly think there have been a lot more ineffectual performances. Were you surprised that it took just nine, nine and a half minutes for, for Shui to, to get the hook out last night? Or did you I think, think it could have come earlier?
5: I think that's the, the soonest I've seen, or the earliest that I've seen a Shui substitution, to be honest. Um, I don't remember really seeing many earlier than that in the first half in in all the time he's been manager. Um I'm surprised that he didn't give Bali a little bit longer to try and influence the second half a bit more, especially as we, I felt we started the second half relatively well compared to how we, how we competed in the first half. Um, I'm not surprised that he brought Tyreek on. He's, he's he's a squad player at the end of the day. I mean, we've seen him come on, we've seen him take that position before. So that's not, that wasn't really a surprise. I suppose the only surprise was seeing it happen as early as it did, um, just to touch on something as well with Ben Wayne, I don't feel Ben Wayne can play up front on his own. Um, I feel Ben Wayne would be stronger with a strike partner. So I'm surprised that we didn't bring Bundu on to, to you know com- accompany Wayne up top and, and give him something to give Wayne something to play off possibly. But like I said, other than that, I don't. The only the only surprise to me really was Bally getting hooked so early. Finn, oh.
2: Finn, let's get your thoughts. Then, Jack, I have just seen your, your comment. I'll bring you in about that in a second. But, Finn, your thoughts on, you know, the Tariq Wright substitution, but also the, the then the triple change afterwards. Because, you know, the Sky Blue hub there said that he thought the changes had an effect on the team. Mm. I'm, I'm not overly convinced it had a huge amount. Ima- I'm not sure it had a huge amount of impact on our performance last night.
3: No, I agree with you more there, Joe. To be honest, and um, I just found it a little bit bizarre. Um, like, look, no one had their best game for goal last last night, but I, I I also agree. Like you said, I think there were players that you could you could hook off quicker than you hooked off um, Barley Mumba last night. Um, one of them being Morgan Whitaker. Now, I understand that he's the player that you know is more most likely to. Um, to 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 make something out of nothing for us. But at the same time, Bali Member's not too far behind. Um I, I, I actually thought he brought on the wrong right um last. I thought he should have brought on Callum if he was gonna take off Bali Member at that point. Um but yes, yeah, so I found it a bit bizarre. Um, you know, I'm not gonna go into you know, I don't want to slay Tyreek Wright because you know he's trying his best and things like that. But I, I do think there are—he is one of the that we do have a few players in the squad at the moment um, who are struggling with Championship football, and uh, and he is one of them. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so I was a bit puzzled by by the substitution, uh, both um, why he took off Mumba so early, um, because like I said, if the whole team was playing well or playing you know, to a good standard and Barley Mumble was sticking out, uh, not necessarily like a sore thumb, but, you know, playing poorly and the rest of them were doing okay, then I would have understood it more. However, he was probably, although not great, one of the least, um had one of the least poor performances of last night. So, in my opinion...
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Jack, we'll bring Gab Sutton in in a second. Gab's, Gab's joined the show. We'll bring him in shortly. Jack, your comment there um, that you sent us in the chat, you're, just to read it out for everyone else. I don't normally question Shuey with subs and lineups, but happened at Bristol City with the original 11. Subs last night were a bit confusing. As Azaz was arguably the best player on the field, but brought off only, only features resting certain players for the weekend. Just how surprised were you by those four, well, even the fifth fifth substitution, really? I thought if anyone was going to come on, it might be Dan Scar as a second, you know, and just throw him up front. Just how surprising were those changes last night?
6: Yeah, but first of all, evening lads. Uh, first thing I want to say is, yeah, the, the subs are confusing, I think. I feel as much as I, I back him, Whitaker. I feel he should have come off, rest him for Saturday because... I don't know um, if anyone pre- pretty much picked it up, but he went in for a 50-50 on the ball and ended up getting injured. And started limping and everything. So I thought we'd bring him off, rest him and that. But the, the subs were con- confusing. But with, <clears throat> I, I agree with the brought on the wrong right. I don't want to slate Tyreek Wright at all because, yes, he's being thrown in at the deep end playing in the championship, like... Brought him in last season, didn't really get much playing time, and now, yeah, I know we try to get him on to salvage something, but didn't really see much of a redeeming factor with him on. I feel we should have brought on Callum Wright, bring on a bit more of a more of an attacking threat. But I feel the subs were confusing. Mumba, yeah, I agree with the not the best game he's recently had, but I do feel he could have. Played a bit longer, in my opinion. I feel like we've got to realise he is a he is a wing back. He is a defensive player, and for, I know we're a bit tight on the squad at the minute with injuries and the transfer window. But I feel throwing him in a completely different position, he has been chucked in the deep end, sort of, in my opinion. But I feel the subs subs were confusing. But I understand sort of understand Shuey's logic. Like normally. I know as much as we don't want to say it, Tyreek Wright doesn't really get much playing time. But I feel it's all right that we're bringing him on and then taking off like players that would be in a starting lineup and potentially playing a full ninety on Saturdays. But I am gonna throw this one out there. I know he wasn't the greatest when we when he has played, but I do feel we have him on the bench every single time. Warrington, do we really? need to be wasting more of a lone spot on him anymore? Do we roll the dice and play him? Or because ever since Bristol City, like as I said, the, the the lineup for Bristol City was confusing and obviously got punished for it. But it was more of like the lineup last night was practically spot on, don't change a winning side. And then you throw on those subs. But I agree with the whole bring on Dan Scar. I thought just lump someone up top but it's more of a fact of are these subs going to be worth it anymore like as you said about Ben Wayne as much as I rate the bloke and back him as many times as he gets behind the ball takes a shot or anything I'll back him till till anything but he's just unfortunately not physical enough for the championship like you've got those all these defenders like and then you've got the big boys I know I don't want to bring it up but it's going to happen Um, Fleming with case of Hayden like if you put Wayne in that situation he just wouldn't bring anything but i feel Wayne as you said can't play on his own up top i don't think personally but i don't see him playing the best at all really unfortunately but hopefully get something out of him if we maybe change the fr- up two and maybe put Bundu or Hardy up with him
2: it's interesting, Jack. Hang around. We'll 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 bring you back in in, in a bit. Just want to bring Gavin. Um, Gab in. um Hi. It makes it makes a change, Gab, for you to be on our show after a defeat, and not me or one of <laughs> the others on your show after a defeat. I just want to read. I just want to read you out Shuey's comments to the to the club website before we, we get your views. He said, "We had little spells in the game where we managed to string a few passes together. Some of our quality tonight just wasn't there. We gave the ball away too cheaply." We got into really good areas on the pitch and then didn't make anything of it. And that's not like us. We've been pretty good going forward and a bit more clinical than that. The same goes for Coventry as well. Was it a lot of huffing and puffing from both sides last night? Or was it ultimately just a an, a controversial decision that, that was the difference?
7: So from my sort of perspective on the game was that um, Argyle certainly weren't at their um, their best or the levels that they're capable of and have shown... Uh, in, you know, certainly a lot of your, your home games where you've really been able to put teams to the sword. And I would say that probably your key players, your Morgan Whittakers, your Ballymumbers, your Finnazazes, um, they weren't quite at the level that you'd maybe want. Um, possibly from, from where I was sitting, Whitaker was maybe closest to that, but um, Yeah, I I think um, some of the key players were a bit quiet. Um, And um, at the same time, I could sort of still see certain patterns of play. I could see what you're trying to do. I liked the way that you popped the ball around and I actually, you know, saw a few encouraging patterns of play. And I think this was just an occasion maybe when Coventry, they've been really well organised over the last few games since they've changed formation. And um, yeah, that they were well organised. But I don't necessarily see it as a, a massive negative night from a plymouth Argyle perspective. Other fans might disagree with me. I've seen... People say that it was quite a sloppy performance um, I, and I understand why that might be the view. But I thought you were neat and tidy and quite well organised and just couldn't quite, uh, couldn't quite make it happen in the final third. It's, it's
2: interesting because um, I, I alluded to it earlier when we had the, the guys from the Sky Blue Hub on that actually the stats were a lot more even than I thought. And I was actually a little bit surprised to see via FOT Mob that we had an 82% pass completion rate, which sort of surprised me. I wouldn't have been surprised by feel... that actually.
7: Um, I, I that but, sounds about right to I,
2: me. I was surprised, then I then I scrolled down and saw that 245 of our 422 were actually completed in our own half, <laughs> um, which, which probably helped boost boost that up. But in terms of um in terms of the goal and things, obviously, we've just discussed it there. And in, in the preview pod coming into this game, both me and John were incredibly complimentary of Coventry. Um, and we actually said that of all the teams in the bottom half of the table, the one team who are probably in the most of a false position were the Sky Blues. And I mean, I'm a massive Mark Robbins fan. Do we perhaps need to, although we're a little bit irked by the controversial side, nature of the goal, do we need to actually take our green tinted glasses off here and actually praise Van Averbeek for his his work on that that right side and actually
7: getting the ball into a dangerous position? Yeah, I mean it was a great moment, wasn't it, uh, from from Van Averbeek? Um I feel like um, Jordan Houghton's obviously been one of um, Plymouth Argyle's best players this season, and I do like the solidity that he brings to you. I think he was crucial to the shape that you have brought last night and and he certainly looks after the ball and at the same time there's part of me that's thinking if Schumacher wants to play the way that he is at championship level there's going to be certain games where maybe Finnazzas is um, nullified a little bit even, even Cundall to an extent although I did think Cundall showed some nice touches in the first half um, there's going to be certain times where your you kind of go to forward players, like Azaz Whitaker, remember, uh, are a bit off their game. And that's where you need probably your number six to step forward at times and provide that alternative creativity and there were one or two windows i thought i don't know what anyone else you know anyone else in the spaces um sort of shared this at all but just from my perspective one or two occasions where the game kind of opened up and sort of invited Houghton to do that um, but it didn't quite. Uh, he didn't quite take it up because I don't think it's quite in his skill set. And he's more than deserving of his chance at Championship level. He's been, you know, one of the better players in the lower leagues for a number of years, even going back to his first spell with uh, with your lot, and, and certainly at MK Dons and Doncaster. Um, but I, I also there's part of me that's just kind of wondering: Can he bring that bit of alternative creativity that's required when maybe some of the full, some of the more uh, advanced players are nullified?
2: it's 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 a tricky one isn't it because i think i i mean you know we were again we touched on it after the sunderland game that quite a few of us well not me, well me a little bit we sort of had dim views on jordan Houghton going into last season and last season he performed pretty admirably for us and then this year i mean, i think i speak for everyone and that we're absolutely shocked at how well he's coped with moving into the championship you know if you were to look at Argyle's side if you were to list them on paper um those that would be suited to championship football more than others jordan houghton probably wouldn't be certainly wouldn't be near the top five um but then i suppose in that case then do you have to look at somebody like a kundal or whitaker a mumber and his Az, and think well actually maybe you should be helping him out a little bit more and maybe you should drop a little bit deeper or Mm. is it a fact that Chewy has this way of playing, we have this style, and this is how we're gonna to stick to it regardless
7: of a situation. Yeah, possibly. I would I would actually go the other way and say, um, maybe you want um Houghton dropping into the defence as play progresses, and even uh, you know, say a Julio Pler- um, Pleguezele because call him Plaggy, Gab. It's a lot Pleggy, easier. thank you. Um, <laughs> he's definitely someone who I think is probably a bit more technical than Houghton. So I could maybe see a pattern of play working where you drop Houghton into the defense because he has played centre back previously in his career and then bring Plaggy um, into midfield where he can maybe get on the ball a bit more. And I suppose the other thing we saw was a couple of the full backs inverting into midfield on occasion. I thought. Um, yeah. I thought Kesel Hayden actually produced some really nice link-up play in the first half. A couple of moments early on where he tried, you know, a bit off more than so he could chew and tried to do a bit too much. But actually, once he sort of um, uh, released the ball a little bit earlier, he started to sort of grow into the game. So, uh, I guess there's that option as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're going to come on to it now with, with the lads who are who are going to jump back on and speak in a sec, Gab. But we... Um... Star man last night, obviously, for Argyle. It's tricky to when, obviously, as Argyle fans, we feel the performance wasn't quite as positive as a neutral as you saw mm. it. Um, but certainly one name who um, has come out of plenty of games with credit this season. I mean, I you know, I've said it on, on your show, the EFL debate, a number of times I said it as early as week three that Lewis Gibson was the best centre-half mm. I've ever seen play for Argyle. Um, so I'm sort of stuck to that comment now, and I'm going to stand by it. He was outstanding um, as well,
7: apparently, against Sunderland. I was going to as...
2: say, would you... I, you, I know you messaged me on Sunday morning about how he played against Sunderland. How did you see his performance last night, and would you have chosen
7: him as, as the star man out, the, out of that side? Yeah, possibly. Um, I think it was a game in which no player like m- massively stood out as being... Um, being amazing. Uh, I mean, um, Shui Subs was kind of questioned earlier, but I actually thought Bundu looked quite bright from the bench. I thought he sort of yeah. put himself about quite nicely and showed some decent touches. So uh, I wouldn't necessarily give him man of the match, but uh, I'd take some encouragement from that. Um, but yeah, may- maybe I'd go for Gibson.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's. Pro- when are you? When are you down this neck of the woods, Gab? It's all well and good you going to watch us in Coventry, which is up, <laughs> up your up your area when when can we see you down on the barbican sampling a, a cider and a pasty before a championship
7: game? well um i'm hoping to be able to afford a train ticket to plymouth but i remembered <laughs> i'm not a um a, a u.s billionaire so uh that's a bit of a stumbling block. Oh, right, yeah. um but um but no I, i'd love to come down to uh Arga. i can't I think the last time was the devon derby when um uh ryan harley scored a couple of goals for Exeter. so whether i'm a bit of a um a bad omen um Possibly,
2: it's it's weird. It's weird, Gab. That game slips my memory for some. Reason. Oh, does it? Okay. I don't why, yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't remember that one in particular. But yeah, look, um, great having you on, Gab. If you want to hang around and and jump in whenever, that'd be great. But it's it's great stuff. What what you do on the on the EFL debate. We'll bring a couple of the other lads in, um, Nick and Finn and, and Jack. If you want to jump, Top in. Top Man, Joe. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Gab. Um, picking out individual. Players from that performance last night, lads. It's it's tricky, obviously, um, to to nail it down. to performance, interesting that Gab there as a neutral thought the performance was perhaps a bit better than we were sit we were looking upon it. Um, anyone differ on the
5: Gibson point of view? Not Gibson for me as well, and and yeah. like, like, like Gab said, with with regards to you know it being a better performance than what we we all think is is that a testament though to how. We're actually performing this year in the championship, given you know, given the size of our budgets, and what we're, what our expectations are now based on what we've seen so far. We've we've they, they've set that bar, and us as fans now are expecting them to reach that week in week out. And I, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that Shiri said that we're busting a gut each week to maintain these these let this level of performance. And with regards to the decision last night, that going against us doesn't help. Um, So I think for me, it's one of those where we're performing at such a high level. When the when the lads put in a performance like they have yesterday, it stands out as you know below par. And when we look deflated with it, when but when you've got someone like Gab looking at it from an external point of view, who's who's not got green tinted glasses and saying, "Well, actually, lads, it's not that bad of a performance. You're just unlucky." It kind of puts it back into perspective a bit. But in terms of Man of the match or player, you know, Argyle player of the match, standout player, Gibson again for me. I think the boy's been unbelievable since signing from Everton. Um, when we signed him, we've got a couple of family friends who are season ticket holders at Everton. And um, when we signed both Warrington and um, and Gibson, um, they weren't too bothered about Gibson signing for us um on 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 a permanent but when Warrington was linked they were hoping that it was only alone because they felt that he should be up you know competing for first team opportunities or at least being in the squad. So it just goes to show really what what we've got and what sort of talents we've got in the squad. Um earlier on we were talking about Warrington and whether I think it was Jack who said is it is it time to give him a, a bit of a run out. Well we've got him here we've got until January Give him a couple of minutes. I mean, he's not—he's not really featured in the league. He's featured in the in the in the uh, in the league cup. Not really featured in the league. Why not give him a couple of minutes? It's not. I mean, it, 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 he's here. We've got, like I say, we've got him at least until January. Why not? Got nothing to lose.
2: Finn, Jack, anything else to add? I mean, I I, I struggled to get John to jump on the the Lewis Gibson appreciation bandwagon at the weekend, getting him to join me in there, he's the best centre half he's ever seen play for Argyle Club. There's there's plenty of room in the club if either of you two want to sign up. Yeah, I mean um,
3: I, I would I would, you know, say it I thought Gibson probably if he had to pick one man uh, in match last night, um I'd yeah, I would I I don't know if I'd say if, I, I'd have to go through the whole season and see how develops to say is he the best centre back I've uh, seen play for argyle but you know i only
2: i started finn come on make these knee (laughs) okay let's
3: say uh, say, uh, what i've seen so far what i've seen of what i've seen so far yes um gibson is the best center back i have ever seen play for argyle granted lots of people say marcel psych at his best however i didn't start supporting the club until 2010 so yeah, so I'm gonna say yeah. I'll join you on that, Joe.
6: And you can't forget we did have Scott Wooton.
3: Oh I, I'm sorry,
6: yeah. <laughs> Good
2: old <Scott> don't <laughs> yeah. don't yeah. forget the either. <laughs> <laughs>
3: sorry, Scott, if you're listening. Um but like to be honest, the mo- the mo the most in uh the most effectual centre back I've seen um aside from that is-, is Sonny Bradley and um yeah I don't think he... Has he? He was a very, very good centre back, but I think Lewis Gibson. When you when you can, the guy's only twenty three and looks as confident. I mean, even last night when he himself put a couple of balls out of play, like the amount of times I don't uh, the amount of times I was like where is Edwards, but then Gibson is just like covering the position for him. Is is, is insane? Um, yeah, he, he's he's a. Uh, I think he's going to make us a lot of money. You know, touch word if he doesn't get injured or or whatever. You know, but yeah, he's he's great and uh he was the best player again last night and probably on Saturday as well. Um yeah, so so I would I would agree on that assessment with everyone on Gibson really.
2: Jack, anyone else to, to throw into the mix before we move it on?
6: Uh, well I was just gonna say I'm a very big uh fan of the Lewis Gibson bandwagon. I'm firmly, <laughs> firmly on it. I've been on it ever since the he's put on an Argyle shirt. I think he's been one of our, arguably one of the best centre-backs we've had in a while, obviously excluding Sonny Bradley uh, blah, blah, blah. But there's one thing I want to throw in there. Kesler Hayden. I, I, I've said it before, not on here but I've said it to a few mates of mine after games and everything. I'll say it on here. I feel when he, was, when he came on, well when he played against Huddersfield, first game of the season I was saying to mates, he's Really, really good. He looks very composed and everything. He looks very up for it. As we've moved forward through the season, my unfortunately, my decisions with him have started to change. I feel the composure he had, I know it's only going off one full 90 minutes, but the composure he had against Huddersfield, like coming across these games, I think this just dropped. I know it's probably not helping that some people on social media are saying this that and the other about him I've kept my opinions quite to myself about him because I'm not sparking World War 3 over if Kesler Hayden's worth it or not I'm still very on the fence with him Um, like some games he will be some games he's just not up to par and I do feel I'm not against Kesler Hayden going back I'm just I'm very on the fence with him seeing his performances like I know, for example, against Millwall, like, I know Zeon Fleming basically just elbowed him in the face, but we're just going to move past that. Um, I feel he's he's very one-footed, I've realised. And you can berate me on Twitter, what, X in quotation marks, otherwise Elon's going to kill me. Um, you can berate me as much as you like, but that's just my honest opinion. I feel... He's been very up and down. Some games when we're doing well, he'll come out of his shell and start doing things that we've never seen him do before and actually pull off. But some games when we need him to dig deep, he will he panics a lot and I don't want to berate him, but I've seen it pick up a few times and it's not something we need, but it's something we can work on. Like I definitely, I do f- have faith in him um, at this point because it's still fairly early in the season. I know, January is only in a few weeks' time or so, but I still do have a lot of faith in him. And I feel he'll go far, but I do want to give out an honourable mention to, as Gabe was saying, uh, Pleggy. I think as a ball-carrying defender, he's very, very good. He He's very composed, especially when he gets, say, boxed in a corner by one big, fairly big attacker from an opposition team. He's very comfortable on the ball, He's got a lot of spatial awareness to him and he's very good at making, it out of those dis- uh, at making it out of those areas and also when he needs to arise to a situation where it's like he feels there's not enough cover or anything. He does step in very well, but I am firmly, going back to the conversation of Gibson, I'm very firmly a part of the bandwagon of him being arguably one of our best centre-backs this season.
2: Yeah it's an interesting point regarding Kesler Hayden um I think you know he obviously set the world alight when he came in against Huddersfield and people got very excited and um I actually uh, made the point on on the weekend's review of the Sunderland game that I thought it was um one of his more assured performances in for a few for a few games actually um on Saturday so um, interesting to think that Gab thought he, he played quite well first half last night. Of course, his um, full-back partner last night was a certain Joe Edwards, um, making his 200th Plymouth Argyle uh, appearance um, last night, becoming just the 70th player in the club's long history to achieve that landmark. Um, 200 appearances, gents. In in modern day football, um, albeit two hundred appearances a few years ago would have probably given you a statue, and these days it's it's rarely, rarely heard of a player making two hundred appearances. Um he's been quite the professional since he came into the club all those years ago. Um, one of the, if not the first signing um under this regime, um Joe Edwards um, Aaron put out the um, question earlier. What was, what is your Joe Edwards, your favourite Joe Edwards memory? You know what, what stands out from the two hundred games, and nobody is allowed to say Port Vale because it is far too easy an answer.
3: Dude. Cambridge, Cambridge goal, just crucial. The the equaliser, the Cambridge goal, just after not scoring all season, just sums the guy up. I mean, the guy. Look, like, I don't want to throw the, the the legend stages out there, but if he captains the club to survive all this season, I don't think the guy is it, it's a testament to him. I don't think he is a championship quality player, but I think we are a better side every time he plays and um he's just an just an absolute just uh been an amazing captain and I will quickly say not to spoil uh, very much, but I was. Uh, we have a my Argo life um, coming out at some point next year. Uh, I don't know if we can say who he's with, or whether steady, that's
2: steady. Finn, you'll get you'll get Aaron's wrath if you if you give away secrets. I won't. I wrote, I won't. The person on the podcast basically talked about Joe Edwards and
3: said, uh, he and said it's a testament to him that when. Him and Dan Scar latterly left Warsaw. Both both um you know, both players, they their fans basically laughed that they were that they had got a I guess move that seemed to give them no disrespect to Warsaw, better prospects. So it just says a lot about Joe Edwards that you know he came in with us a league two and now he's still been in a very, very Consistent performance in, in the championship most weeks is, 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 is credit to him, yeah.
5: Before for me, the, I think my before
2: favorite the, Nick, Nick, before you speak, Finn, I'd mute Aaron Hawking off all of your group chats and your text messages when this space is over. I think he's gunning for you, Nick.
5: <laughs> yes, mate. Um, my favorite <clears> moment, I think it was you, you may be correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the Lincoln game in pre in um, the COVID season in that oh, I think it was
2: the, late, it. the late winner in front of the devonport end
5: yes um i was quite lucky enough to be at that game so Four three the, wasn't it yeah so that game in particular well for the whole of the covid season um i was obviously with POC Display. we were putting the flags out in the barn park end so um i was actually technically working at the club at the time to put these flags out so as part of that i was able to sit and watch the games within the within the grandstand um probably the coldest I've ever been during a football season so I was I was very privileged to do that and I was actually privileged enough to be there at that moment and that game just yeah it was it was unbelievable I mean we were told you know cuz there weren't cause people weren't supposed to be in there there were people that were being there but people working for the club at the time um and the muted celebrations were kind of the norm because of the fact that there was nobody there. And I remember being sat there at the front of the Mayflower Grandstand and having uh, Gary Sawyer sat behind me and James Greenacre, who was the club's commercial director at the time, sat just behind him. And we were all up. It was just absolutely brilliant. It was one of the my my favourite moments following Argyle. Um, and that goal was just absolutely superb.
2: I, I do remember that goal. I remember running around like a lunatic, throwing throwing things all over the living room. When, when Joe tapped that one in. Jack, very quickly, your, your Joe Edwards memory out of the last 200 appearances? Uh,
6: f- uh, well, obviously, the Lincoln game. I remember I was trying to get Signal down playing football with my mates and as soon as Signal came back, he scored. I've never ran the length of a pitch quicker in my life. But I've got to say as well, I think it's also COVID season. If, I think it was him that scored the winner, Sunderland away.
2: Oh, there's a, that's a bold, good
6: one. bold shout. It's but, but I can't. It's a game that props to mind. I know we're banning Port Vale from the equation, but you can't <laughs> not have a conversation of Joe Edwards without the Port Vale. Like oh. it's just it's ever ever since he's come into Plymouth. Like I know he's not a Plymouth boy. He's been in the southwest, obviously up at Bristol City, but he gets. Plymouth Argyle, like, obviously he was one of the first appointments Ryan Lowe made back all the way back in 2019 and yeah, I know obviously we've got the likes of Randell and Cooper who get Plymouth inside and out but he's in the form of Joe Edwards, he's an outsider who's come in under Ryan Lowe he's really understood the logic of Plymouth Argyle and where we're going and everything and he's a proper leader to get behind, like every like in games for example, like last night like heads were dropping and that in the eightieth minute. And he's the one that keeps getting the team going, keeping them focused, even if it's not a result we want. He's still that character and leader that we are looking for and we have luckily enough. Yes, I do agree with Finn that sometimes he's not a championship player, but when it comes to it, he can dig deep and show character and show that he will fight for the badge and will fight for Plymouth Argyle as well with the whole Sunderland um, last weekend. I know Jack Clark is probably one of the highest regarded players in the championship. Like I've seen on Twitter that Brentford are apparently lining up a 15 million odd pound move for him. Like that just says a lot in the price tag, but I think he did a brilliant job looking after him, keeping him really at bay. And he's just, he's a, he's a very not good person to have in the team. Like he's a leader. Like a lot of people in the team look to him, obviously as captain and everything, but it's more of the fact for me that I can't pinpoint anything particular, except for Vale, Lincoln and Sunderland, those two games being in COVID season. but over the 200 appearances, I feel he's just been a proper proper leader. He gets Plymouth Fargo inside and out. He knows what he needs to do when he gets to it. Yes, he can have his game where he's not up to par. But he's always got that bounce back ability I've realised. Like
2: I, I think, feel Yeah, oh I think um I think just trying to, to wrap up the the Joe Edwards talk is that um for me very quickly my, my Tuppence worth is my the two memories I've got is the very first season he came in, I think he got a double at Crawley away on a midweek evening. He certainly scored one that night it it may well have been a double um and the second one is the the goal against um Sheffield Wednesday at home park um you know what a what a moment that was i'm i'm pretty sure it was him who who launched it over bailey peacock farrell um who would have been in goal for sheffield wednesday that night but i think the the one thing that you can say about joe edwards is that there there have been 200 appearances now um, they're in the history books. There are going to be many more appearances to come. And, and I think you touched on it brilliantly there, Jack, is that when you hear Simon Hallett talk about we're one Argyle, we're a united family, one player who's bought into that more than any other, I think, in, in recent years, and I'm going back plenty of years now, is Joe Edwards. He's bought in to Argyle, the Argyle family, the Argyle way. He knows how far fans have to travel every week. He knows he's got to put in a performance. He knows he's got to lift the other players to put in a performance. I think, you know, he although he's not a Plymouth lad, he's he's, you know, he's from the the Bristol sort of area, the Bristol Somerset area. So um, he knows just how difficult playing football in the West Country can be with the, the lengths of travelling. And I think it's testament to his character that he's been able to put in 200 performances for Argyle. I need to stop saying 200 performances. Um, that he's put in 200 appearances for Argyle. But, you know, he is a true leader. He is a true professional. Can't speak hardly enough of the bloke. We know that they've already, I, I remember an interview from a couple of years back that they were already talking about getting Joe Edwards to do his coaching badges. And hopefully one day, when the time comes that he'll have a position up at Argyle within the coaching setup because he's bought into the way of life. He's bought into Argyle. And I am gonna say it. Captain Leader Legend. There we go. Joe Edwards 200 appearances. Hopefully many, many more to come. And one more hopefully will come on Saturday. We do have to probably start rounding this up otherwise Aaron's gonna have a a bloody mental episode at trying to edit all this to get it out for people who weren't able to get in this evening to listen to it. Um, And, of course, on Saturday, Stoke City come to Home Park off the back of a 4-2 defeat at Loftus Road uh, last night. Um, Alex Neil, the manager, always seems to be under a bit of pressure at the Potteries. Um, Three of the next four at home, Stoke, Rotherham, Birmingham, we obviously have an away trip to Leicester and an away trip to QPR squeezed in there as well. Um, I mean, gents, without trying to big this one up too much, is this a good game to get off the back of this performance? Or would we much rather be playing the Rotherhams on Saturday? Or is it because QPR are in that no man's land, it is almost the perfect the perfect game to have?
5: It's a must win, isn't it? Um, For me. It's, because Stoker down there, it's... You know, these are the teams we've got to be taking points off, the teams around us, especially at home. So, for me, this one's a must-win. QPR is a must-win, because um, we have to keep that points gap between us and those, bot- those bottom three places. So, yeah, for me, definite big game, massive game. Um, It'll be the squad of players and everything I'd be well aware of it. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's huge. It's a per- perfect game to get back into it as well for me.
2: We would assume that Bundu might play a bit more of a bigger role in this game given the two cameo appearances just trying to get him back up to speed i suppose we can all dream and hope that hardy features in some capacity i mean if i was if i was to guess and i know that guessing is a futile sport in shuri roulette that bundu would start and hardy off the bench with half hour to go Wayne potentially as a second striker as well who knows that might be the way forward as we move past january um do we envisage any other changes lads i mean Mikel Miller by the sounds of it the groin injury just wasn't quite right for last night and perhaps saturday was a prioritisation um i don't i don't see anything else glaringly obvious obviously we hope that that morgan whitaker's Ankle or foot injury that he picked up isn't too bad. Do we do we look at anywhere else in the side and expect a change, or is it purely just Bundu and, and Miller? We think.
5: Well, you you mentioned Hardy there. Um, I spoke to Hardy actually uh, before Saturday's game. See, this uh, is why we like having Nick on the pod. He <laughs> us these ITKs. So it's not much. It's it's just a little one. So we were so basically we were supposed to have two new flags for last Saturday. We were supposed to have um. One for Ryan Hardy and one for uh Plague's Way Low. And um, they hadn't arrived. Um, they have arrived now, but they're incorrect. So that's sort of being sorted with the suppliers. That we won't have them for Saturday. But I actually turned around to Ryan and said, sorry, mate, we ain't got your flag this week. It's going to be here for Saturday next week. And he said, oh, that's all right. Perfect timing, just in time. So that says to me, he in his head, he's available for selection for Saturday. Um, but who knows what goes on with physios and like, like say you should even allowed alluded to it in some of his pre-match interviews where, or, you know, his, his pre-match presses where he said, Ryan is a target in this game, but it's more likely to be this game. So there's
2: a lot of games coming up though, isn't there? In a short exactly. of times, and with, with hamstring injuries like him and Mustafa have had that does. And you know, with Miller, Mikhail Miller with his groin as well, you do have to have, you do Correct. have to err on the side of caution now, don't we?
5: Yeah, and I'd rather I'd rather not rush him back because we're going to have lots of lot, like you said. I think it was something like nine games. Was it ten, before Saturday? It was like ten games in thirty-eight days or something it like that.
2: Thirty-three, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, so that's a lot of games, a lot of football, a lot of minutes. So let's not rush him back too quick if he's not fully fit. I would say and. Bring him back in when he's good to go. Because and we are missing him. Let's there's no bones about it. We are missing a Ryan Hardy. We're missing someone that's going to stretch teams because he does push them back. He does get the defenders turning and running towards their own goal. So it is he is a big miss. He's a player that we need to get back in. And in January, I would be if I'm Steve Schumacher, I'm looking at someone to come in who's very similar sort of player to what Ryan Hardy is. Jack Finn. Um anyone else you want to throw
2: into consideration for for starting on Saturday or are we just thinking continuity, we got a big win at home last week, carry on where we left off and put Tuesday night behind us?
3: Yeah, I th- I think the only ones I need one I'd be looking at is Bundu. Um obviously I'll even if Hardy, I, I probably wouldn't want him to start because he would be rushing him rushing him in too quickly, sorry. Um and like you said, Joe, you know, hamstring injuries are always, you know, tricky, tricky ones to to deal with. So, so yeah, just Bundy would be the one for me. But I would also echo what Nick said in terms of a must win, you know, especially before Christmas. The, you know, the Christmas period and now, you know, the commentary one, I'd really like to get a point out of it, at least last night. But obviously that wasn't the case. So now the Stoke one, the Birmingham one, the Rotherham and the QPR, those are the those are the crucial games we have to be getting points out of. And I'm sure Schumacher knows that. And uh, he would uh, you know, he knows that like he would have known that last night wasn't a good performance. He 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 said that. So I'm I'm really hoping for a reaction on Saturday too.
2: Yeah, without trying to sound a bit negative about it all, are we not Putting a little bit too much emphasis on this game, bearing in mind at the start of the week, if you 'd said four points out of these three games may not have been the end of the world, bearing in mind how well Sunderland were going at the week before the weekend, and I think everyone has agreed that was a bit of a bonus result. Are we not trying to put too much pressure on ourselves by saying this is must win or is as last night just shook everyone up a little bit?
6: Oh, I feel you can take it one or two ways, really like. <clears throat> Um. yes I know obviously with the form Sunderland have been in yes 2-0 against them Saturday was a big shock I, I was speaking to ma- my mates um, about the next three games I said we'd lose against Sunderland we'd draw Coventry and then beat Stoke but realistically I'm seeing we can go uh, six points from nine here I feel with the shake up of the team I know Shui Roulette is genuinely the most confusing thing in the world but the only thing I can say, I'll go back to it, as much as I hate berating him, I feel maybe put Mumba in a bit more of a comfortable position, like on the wing. Like Yes, he can play there, but I do feel he is a bit uncomfortable. So maybe moving more back into like a defensive role, maybe put Kesler Hayden on the bench. And don't shoot me for saying this. Maybe if we are going to start Wayne, try him as a winger. So maybe more of the fact of Wayne on the left, Whitaker on the right and then Bundo in the middle, because Wayne's got the pace. It's more of the fact of he's not, unfortunately, a striker that can come up against all these big centre-backs and defenders that are just all more stronger and more physical than him. So I feel putting him on the wing could be an idea, but I don't put it past Shuey to stick with what he knows. Like, he's good. Like, it was nice to see that it was an unchanged team instead of going into a team with just absolute confusion, trying to figure out what we're playing, who we're playing where. But that's the only thing I can really see. Like, well, I'll throw it in there. What Gabe said earlier about moving Houghton to defence, maybe Pleggy in the middle. Don't see it happening, but I do feel it could be a thing, as I said, with him being quite a good ball-playing defender. I feel he could complement the midfield quite well. I'd,
2: I'd I'd have a big question, Mark, over Houghton's ability to win... Headers at set pieces and things, and you know, if Stoke suddenly starts throwing everything into the box. I'd just mm-hmm. much rather have a a plaguey or a scar back there dealing with them rather than Jordan Houghton. I do also yeah. wonder, as you were as you were starting your own game of Jack Selection Roulette by suggesting Ben Wayne is a winger, <laughs> um, whether or not we're perhaps thinking this is must win purely because Leicester are on the horizon. And I know we should only take it one game at a time, but, you know, there is there is that in the, in the distance. But one thing I think we will all agree with, um, as we do think about wrapping this up, is that Saturday is an important game. It is a chance to keep this home form going. One thing we will need, and I don't think anyone would disagree, is we need Home Park to be bouncing for 90 minutes on Saturday. And we had it against Middlesbrough. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, it just seems to be a little bit few and far between at the moment where Home Park is properly rocking. Um, but I think if we can get an atmosphere going like we had at the Middlesbrough game, I accept it does help when the other team bring large numbers and they bring us a, a, a large sounding supporting section themselves. Um, I do think it's important that Home Park is right behind the team on Saturday to get to get this win, to get six points from nine, which would be a brilliant return off the international break. Um, And of course, let's be fair. One thing that is guaranteed at home park is goals on Saturday, because, um, you know, there aren't many, there aren't going to be many times this year where Argyle will draw a blank at home. Um, And there's probably not going to be many times um, between now and the end of the season where teams coming down here will draw a blank. So that was Coventry reviewed. Was Andy Davis, the referee, taking care of? Was the substitutions and the starting 11 taking care of? It was Joe Edwards, captain, leader, legend, taking care of. We've previewed Stoke City. You now just have a couple more days to wait until that big game at Home Park on Saturday. Thank you to Nick. Thank you to Finn, two regulars on the podcast. Thank you for Jack for getting involved this evening as well. Thank you to the Sky Blue Hub for their input. Thanks to Gab Sutton for his input on tonight's show. It's late. Um, I've got a day off tomorrow, so I need to get my beauty sleep to enjoy and put my feet up. Um, I'm probably going to need it after writing my intro earlier tonight, but I didn't butcher it as much as Aaron normally does on a weekend. Coming up on Argyle Life, we have a full review of Sunday's game, Saturday's game even, on Sunday Sunday. Um, Aaron will be joined by the regular cohorts to discuss the Stoke City game and then in build up to the Leicester game we will have a preview to the Leicester City game followed by a review which will obviously then incorporate the QPR game and we will be back on X on a space post the QPR game Um, so do join us again for that hope you're enjoying these X spaces they're a lot easier to do recording on Zoom because we don't have to put up with me, Sam and John bickering endlessly for two hours an hour, and losing the will to live um, you never know, his train may well have reached Norwich which if you didn't realise that's where he lives by now so that's the end of tonight's show I'm off for a lie down, hope you all enjoyed it, those who haven't been with us tonight you will be able to catch it on all your other podcast streaming platforms if Aaron does his job as host properly by tomorrow morning Enjoy the game on Saturday. Make plenty of noise. Don't knee-jerk. It's only one poor performance and one poor decision. There's still plenty to be positive about, and that win on the road is just around the corner. Thank you very much, everyone. Good night.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.